the question, what is possible for me? Because when we are in that darkest, desperate state, it's like the world has been working against us. And what we don't realize is our hearts are beating, our lungs are helping us to breathe, our blood is pumping. So there are things that are working for us. So if you shift the question onto what is possible for me, and when you're on the ground, curled up in the ball, crying, Mm -hmm. ask yourself that question. There is something that's possible. Connect with the reason why you show up for yourself. Why are you seeking? Why are you trying? Why did you wake up this morning? What purpose was it for? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the On Call Empath. Today I have a very exciting episode. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things from mind-body connection, the brain and how it works. Uh, my next guest is Lindsay Mitchell. She's a physician assistant and, and she specializes in neurolinguistics programming. She's a founder of Vital Side. I'm so excited to have you, Lindsay. How are you doing today? Hey, Raj. I am doing well. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I love your Instagram and the work that you're doing. Um, very, very um, informative stuff that you're putting out there, the content. So it's an honor to have you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love the idea of, you know, connecting science with kind of basic, simple ways to make brain retraining, neuro-linguistic programming, that kind of stuff fun and kind of bridge yeah. that gap. So I'm glad that resonates with you. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, especially being an empath, you know, these these are very important things for us to understand because we're constantly, you know, like trying to figure out why are we doing this, you know, people pleasing and trying to, you know, figure out why we feel the way we do. So I think you're going to shed a lot of light today to the audience. But before we get started, I just want to um, put out this disclaimer that everything that's discussed on this episode or this podcast is only for entertainment educational purposes only. Please, please see a qualified medical professional professional or a therapist if you're having any mental health issues or, you know, any health issues, definitely see a, a doctor in your area. So with that said, um, yeah, you had your, you know, your share of uh, health issues from chronic Lyme disease. How, how did that even start with you? I think the diagnosis of chronic Lyme disease was my biggest wake-up call epiphany that my body could not handle any more trauma. And, (laughs) you know, trauma is an interesting word because I think about trauma and talk about trauma in the sense that there's physical trauma, viruses, bacteria, (laughs) injuries from a car accident, right? These types of things. Um, There's also mental trauma, There's emotional trauma, psychological trauma. So when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, I had gotten to the point where, well, I had lived emotional, mental, psychological trauma Mm -hmm. in my life. And then I had also been exposed to mold and was bitten by a tick. Mm. And I was a travel PA at the time. So I was working in a lot of rural places and it was this buildup of toxins. So not just environmental toxins, but 
toxins in the form of that, the trauma, right? We can have right. toxins in so many different ways. So it was the buildup that had gotten me to the place where I had chronic symptoms day in, day out, you know, migraines, mm-hmm. pain, uh, fatigue, you know, a lot of these things that a lot of people feel and experience. Um, but I got to a place where my body completely gave out and I, I, oh, no. I couldn't, I couldn't even lift my hand to, you know, put a spoonful of food into my mouth. I was oh my gosh. completely bedridden, um, and had to obviously stop working, stop living my life, was diagnosed mm-hmm. with Lyme disease. And, uh, that chronic came in because I had been bitten by a tick six months later, had the diagnosis. So went down the whole route of, okay, what next? You know, my training mm-hmm. is in Western medicine. Let me right. start there, figure out what else <laughs> I can do, you know, like right. you do what you know. And um, yeah, a lot of the things that I tried, the treatments that I tried did help to an extent, but mm-hmm. I'd get to this place where I would plateau. And I I wasn't getting any better. And I saw so many practitioners who maybe had good intentions, but like a lot of other people on this podcast Mm. said something like, well, it's all (laughs) in your head, you know, it's something that you're going to have to deal with forever. You're uh, a woman in your mid twenties and you kind of just have to wait it out. (laughs) You're right. It's like, what? (laughs) What? It's the most frustrating thing. And I'd been on the other side of that. You know, I had been a practitioner who saw some weird stuff, but I think my empathic side was always like, okay, but what is it? What's the root of the problem? And, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't like that, even if they have good intentions. So it was stressful to say the least to go to these practitioners and then be told that I had to wait it out when I knew that my body was just deteriorating. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because there's a lot of people out there that have undiagnosed uh, issues and like, I don't know how they would diagnose somebody with Lyme disease or if they, what kind of tests they run and stuff like that. But I mean, especially when you can't see it and it's chronic like pain and stuff like that. Like when you hear somebody say to you, like, it's just something you got to accept and, and it's just really hard on just about anybody. I've been there because I've, you know, I've, I've dealt with back pain and migraines and all kinds of elements. Right. And I remember starting it off where I was just told like, you know, this is, you know, I'm getting older, like this is just part of life and you're just going to have to accept it. But it wasn't until I started researching and, um, you know, looking at uh, different doctors around the world. I worked with a really good doctor by the name of Dr. Schubner, who's a mind-body co- um, doctor. Um, and uh, I had a lot of people on this podcast um, that were pain specialists. And they kind of break down that that mind-body connection. And, and that's why I kind of wanted to pick your brain on, on how all of that works and basically how you kind of got over everything. And and you mean, basically you started a business with no idea where you were going and now you're like success, successful and you're helping people. Um, and then you started a business. Um, is that how it kind of went? Like after your, your chronic illness, did you just kind of decide you wanted to go into this? Right. So I had that depths of despair kind of rock bottom 
I, I reached the rock bottom, which I think a lot mm-hmm. of us have experienced, you know, if, oh, yeah. if not experiencing right now. And that when you reach that rock bottom, and I remember lying on the ground, anxiety, stress, pain, mm-hmm. tears, wanting it all to end. Yeah. When you get to that place, there is no other option but up. You can give up, right? That's an option, I guess. But when you have reached that rock bottom, there's this place where you're like, okay, there's got to be something different. And like you said, you know, you researched, you figured out to try to find something that worked for you. And and I continued to seek. I think those of us listening today are those seekers, those of us wanting more information, wanting to figure out what's going on. And I had always been that person. So even in the despairing moments where I had that brain fog and and that cloud over my eyes. I still knew there was a reason why, um, or, or there was something I could do as a result of of going through this, of living through this. There was something else for me, so I clung on to that hope, and that is the thing that made me decide to to do something different. I I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books right. and in however capacity I could. I remember it took me a year to read uh, this book, The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion. It took a year mm-hmm. to read that, but <laughs> I, you know, I showed you up and I, I did it and I, I researched. <laughs> so I came across this idea of how the brain changes when you have a chronic condition mm-hmm. and That resonated with me so much because I think for so long I was looking at my body and thinking, why can't my body heal? My muscles are strong. My, you know, bones are all intact and and my body is generally working, but I'm having a hard time detoxing. Inflammation is high. Sensitivities are rampant. What else is going on? And That's when I looked to the nervous system and found wonderful resources out there. Uh, You know, just like you did, I I read a book by Dr. Norman Deutsch. I I looked at Mm -hmm. Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza and I started. Oh, yes. I love them. (laughs) Looking for all the things, you know, once you go down that path of like, hey, you can use Mm -hmm. your brain and your nervous system to change your physical symptoms. It's like this whole idea of that mind-body connection becomes so apparent because of the physical evidence that exists. You know, it's no longer a theory. It's no longer some um, new age woo-woo. There is evidence and science behind it. And that was, you know, piqued my interest as a PA. And I delved into that work and I started to use mental exercises. I'm all about really actionable tools. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you can tell me, you can tell me the information all day or give me an inspirational quote. That's awesome, but I want the tools. Like, how do I right. get better? So I, you know, enrolled in all the programs that are out there that have to do with that um, neuroplasticity you know, Mm -hmm. calming, uh, the stress response, shifting out of the fight or flight or the freeze response, that autonomic nervous system response. Cause I realized I had been in that response maybe since I experienced 
some big T trauma as a child, you know, and that had become my primary response. So I'd gotten to the point Mm -hmm. where my body had given out because of the physical, mental, emotional Mm -hmm. trauma. Right. And I needed to take care of myself. So I started shifting out of this fight or flight response, using some mental exercises and devoting my time to it every single day using about half an hour to an hour a day committed to what I call now brain retraining, which a lot of people Mm -hmm. kind of refer to. I mean, we're retraining our brains all (laughs) the time, but we can do it in a beneficial way. So that's what I was spending time doing in a structured way, just through the information that I had learned. And it took me about eight months of daily mental exercises, practice. And you know, I went from being in that bed, hardly able to feed myself mm-hmm. to surfing on a beach in Costa Rica, having a wow. slice of pizza, full dairy, <laughs> full gluten without wow. blowing up or getting a rash or getting anxiety. And, wow. you know, and it sounds really beautiful and really great, but it did take time and effort. And it, it was a process. And I think we all want that kind of magic pill, that would be wonderful. But one of the most empowering things that I do with my client now is, is talk to them about this is you doing this, right? You're making those changes. And it is this shift that, okay, there is some control that I can have over how I feel. And that's really amazing. And that's really empowering. So uh, when I you know, did recover and I wanted to go back to work. I was working with some, uh, you know, kind of integrative practitioners here in Austin. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, how cool would it be <laughs> to kind of take this information I've learned and apply it in kind of a scientific way and bridge this gap between mind, body, medicine, and, you know, actually treating the physical body and the nervous system. I think there's room for both. So that was really when Vital Side was born and I started privately coaching people and, and working mm-hmm. with people who maybe were seeing a practitioner addressing yeah. the physical body. And I helped them to do kind of a nervous system reset, calm that fight or flight response. And mm-hmm. it you know, years later, now I've got virtual programs. I work with people all over the world and it's just so very fascinating. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. To see this transformation in people, yeah. it's, it's the coolest thing. Yeah. And now you can stand on your head for 20 minutes. It looks like also <laughs> very impressive. That's my party <laughs> trick standing on my head. I can do it for a very long time, but there was one point in time where you could not No, I could absolutely not do that, but <laughs> I got back to the place where I can do that now. So that makes right. me happy. <laughs> exactly. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed, especially like the people that I've had on this podcast or, you know, someone that I go to, they've been through also what you're experiencing where they had that, that moment of, okay, there's only one way to go. It's, it's up, you know, some people like, you know, they, they do give up, you know, there's a lot of people that are in that, that zone where they just like, well, it might work for you. It's not going to work for me. And they have this belief system that, 
you know, your, your, your brain can't really fix you. I mean, they're looking at medication and going to somebody else for answers. But I wanted to ask you, like, from your expertise, like, how can people listening right now, how can they use their, their brain to actually heal? Um, what would you what would you describe that as? What does that look like? I think you said it. It's first identifying that those are some pretty strong core beliefs. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, this girl, okay, cool. She got better in eight months. That sounds <laughs> right. Windy, <you laughs> That's know. good for you. What right, about right, right. me? Good right? for you. But I've been sick for 30 years. I mean, right. that's most of my clients. And Mm-hmm. I work with people who are in that rock bottom place and yeah. they've tried all of the things. So the first thing that I would encourage people to do, and I do this with clients as well, is always first practice this self-awareness piece of what are the core beliefs that I have and how are they impacting my life? And mm-hmm. if one of your core beliefs is well, this works for everyone else, but not me. There was probably Mm -hmm. a time in your life where you had, you know, go back to that first experience where someone said, oh yeah, you know, everyone else, this is for not you, (laughs) you know, not you, this isn't going to work for you. And, or you don't get this or, or you can't have this for one reason or another. And maybe, evidence in your life has proven again and again and again that it works for someone else, but not you. So now it's to the place where, okay, my physical body is failing. And now I have these huge core belief systems in place of, you know, this works for everyone else, but not me. So Mm -hmm. it's first that self-awareness piece. And Mm -hmm. then it takes a moment to recognize, is the way that you've been thinking helping you? Mm -hmm. Has it helped you this far for the past 30 years or has it kept you in the same exact place? These beliefs that you're taking again and again, unconsciously at this point, are they continuing to help you or do they keep you in the same exact place? And I can guarantee they're going to keep you stuck. So what if you looked at things totally different from a totally different perspective. And I know that's kind of easy to say or maybe an arbitrary request to make, but what I do, sometimes I have people, if I meet them for the first time, is to do this simple exercise of putting a pair of glasses next to your bed. uh, Mm -hmm. And first thing in the morning, you know, that's when – we start to have, you know, our core beliefs come rushing in. Maybe we start to feel a certain way, right? We're waking up in the morning. um, And the first thing you do, if you could grab that pair of glasses that are sitting right next to your bed, put them on and Mm -hmm. ask yourself, what perspective can I look at my life today? What perspective do I choose? Because Mm -hmm. when we have that self-awareness and then self-acceptance of like, okay, I have been taking these, uh, you know, choosing these core beliefs day after day. 
what if I did one thing a little bit different, right? What if I mm-hmm. just had a bit of a different perspective? And then you mm-hmm. started to look at your world and these, you know, different color glasses, maybe they're orange, maybe they're rose. Like what if you chose to look at things in a different perspective? And so that's a good first place to start because when we make these 1% changes to our day, then we, our brains start to rack up evidence that, oh, I can have a new perspective. Right. I can look at things differently. And that's when after you do that, maybe for a week, two weeks, then, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I'm ready to, to have a more structured approach to mm-hmm. using, you know, brain training techniques, mm-hmm. mental exercises to shift out of this fight or flight response day after day. And that's what we need at this point. That person who's been sick for 30 years, they need physical evidence for change. So let's start small and then build mm-hmm. on that. Very interesting. You know, your brain can get retrained. And that's what I wanted to ask you on this next question is how do you use neuroplasticity in your life every day? If you can explain that to the audience. Sure. Yeah. So Active neuroplasticity. I love this. You know, this is what I teach in VitalSci. This is what we can apply simply in our everyday lives. It's what I talk about on Instagram a lot. We're always making positive changes to our brains. And so we can be proactive about it, right? So uh, at this point in my life, you know, I, I run a business and I'm I'm very physically active and I, I love to hike and be outside and all of these things. I'm not operating operating from a chronic state of fight, flight, freeze, right? I've broken out of that state. So even now that I'm kind of bouncing back in a healthy way between the three of those survival responses, I do take kind of prophylactic care of my brain. And one of the first things I do is create healthy boundaries with my work, with my clients, with people who reach out to me, with, uh, you know, family members and friends, with, with all of that. That is so healthy to do. Um, and, I I do prioritize myself and what feels good to me. And one of the ways I do that is through creating those healthy boundaries. Uh, I nourish myself in making sure I increase my feel-good neurochemistry daily, increasing the, the dose, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. Um, I do that personally through exercising. I dance every single day. I have my songs that give me the goosebumps and I dance every afternoon and that makes me feel so good. And I I do pay attention and um, mm-hmm. not in a way that keeps my mm-hmm. um, life limited or, or rigid, but I pay attention to what I watch on TV, what I consume. I really curate things in my life to benefit my physiology so that I can show up for my clients and be strong and practice my resilience every single day. And, you know, I think so many people have different tools they use, but those are the major things. And I guess the last thing I'll mention is, you know, meditation is huge for me now. Uh, 
you know, mindful meditation does not always work for everyone, especially in the chronic (laughs) stress response. So I often tell people, I'm like, I don't recommend that, you know, let's calm the nervous system first. But now in my everyday life, I do use meditation. That's a huge Mm -hmm. tool that I use um, to, to cultivate my natural resilience. That's amazing. And, and it is constant work. That's why I love what you're doing and, and your approach, especially, um, you know, on your Instagram with all, all of your, your um, memes that you put, you know, it, there's meaning behind it. And it really resonates um, with me when I when I look at that. So, um, so just kind of switching gears here and um, wrapping up, I want to just give you the final word. If somebody's listening uh, on this podcast today, um, and they've been through everything, like they've seen doctors, they've seen therapists, they've been to coaches, and they're just in that bottom, like we talked about, like just rock bottom. And, you know, because of COVID, you know, there's more people um, that have mental health issues more than ever. More people are out of jobs. Um, the economy's not, you know, it's just kind of coming back from from being trapped in, in our homes and then, you know, vaccinations. All this stuff is going on and we're kind of recovering from 2020. Um, <clears throat> so now is a time to heal. So I wanted to give you the last word and, and if you want to just kind of give something to the audience and to that one person that's listening that might be just on their last leg. and ah, Such a powerful thing to do is to be able to talk to those people because I remember being there absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. And the thing that helped me was the question, what is possible for me? What is possible for me? Because when we are in that darkest, desperate state, it's like the world has been working against us. And what we don't realize is our hearts are beating Our lungs are helping us to breathe. Our blood is pumping. So there are things that are working for us. So if you shift the question onto what is possible for me, and when you're on the ground curled up in the ball crying, Mm -hmm. ask yourself that question. There is something that's possible. Maybe what's possible is you go to the nearest wall and put your legs up the wall and take a couple of deep breaths, let the tears come and just (laughs) cry there, right? Maybe that's what's possible. Maybe it's possible to get your best friend on the phone for some words of encouragement. Maybe it's possible to sign up for that class or that session that you've been wanting to for so long, but maybe you had to hit rock bottom in order to give you the motivation to do that. So change the trajectory of your thinking with that question, what is possible for me? And then when you gain some clarity, that clarity is there. Connect with the reason why you show up for yourself. Why are you seeking? Why are you trying? Why did you wake up this morning? What purpose 
was it for? Because we do it for one reason or another. And every single day, write that reason out. Every single day, have a simple sentence of why you show up for yourself, what you're working toward. It doesn't have to be, I'm starting a nonprofit to feed the hungry, right? It can be something as simple as to practice self-care, self-love, and to, to show my children that it's important to take care of yourself. It can be something so, so simple. So change, uh, change the story, change your story, what is possible for me, and connect with the reason why you show up every single day. And that's what's going to help you to create the action behind these ideas and take the steps that you need to, to move forward. It's amazing. Uh, well said. We're just having gratitude that things are working, but even though we can't see them, uh, something as small as, you know, saying hello to somebody and making their day. I mean, it all adds up. So, but it, it does make a lot mm-hmm. of sense. And um, so Lindsay, you know, I, I want to thank you. It's been an honor for you, for me to have you on my podcast. Before we take off, can you just tell us where our audience could uh, find you if they wanted to look you up on uh, social media? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at my vital side. I have some really great tips, tools, and content on there about how to change your brain, make these positive changes to your brain. And for more information, you can check out my website, vital-side.com. You guys check her out. She's really good at what she does. And obviously you have a lot of passion in what you do. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, Rush. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're always welcome back, too. So with that said, guys, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Please share this episode. And, uh, you know, if you got something out of it, please rate us on the Apple iTunes. It really helps me out, helps me bring more guests from around the world. I have a lot more episodes coming up in the future. So with that said, we are out. You're listening to the on-call network.